Channel 33, as always, is brought to you by SeatGeek. It's our favorite way to buy and sell tickets to sporting events, concerts, and whatever else you want to attend. You know, guys, I love basketball and I love concerts. I love live music. I love live sports. And whenever I attend those events, I always use SeatGeek. You just download the SeatGeek mobile app, two taps, phones show up right on your tickets or the tickets show up right on your phones. It's your choice. Yeah, whichever way you want to do it. Look, you get them. They're right on the phone. You can enter the event using your phone. Tickets are right there. And if you can't make the event, like if something comes up like an important television show you want to stay home and watch. Maybe it's Sunday night. It's easy to sell them right off of your phone or transfer them to friends. Uh, for Channel 33 listeners, or SeatGeek is offering $20 off your first purchase. You just go there to SeatGeek.com or uh, get the SeatGeek mobile app and use promo code BSPN. You get $20 off your first purchase. That's promo code BSPN. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and with me in the studio... He's part of the great game now. It's Andy Greenwald! Don't hate the player, hate the great game. Andy, Feels good. what's up, man? Los Angeles, Monday, you know, the first Ringer newsletter is out. Please go to theringer.com and sign up for that. If you haven't, welcome to all of our Ringer hires. It's signing day. It's chaining day, it's chaining day. as they would say at The Rock. And by the uh, way, can I jump in on that? Yeah, man. A lot of free agent signings today. Big pickups. Yeah, Kate, Kate our Bates. cap number is, is flexible. A lot of good friends rejoined <laughs> the squad, a lot of new people. But can I just say, people are asking me, where's my announcement? Oh, it's, it's about you. It's Dog. about you. I'm in the building. <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house right now. You're OG. We don't need to announce anything. Yeah, you're family. We don't have to say anything I'm about ri- you. I'm right here. Also, you're like kind of third party owned. Like, you know, like it's like in, in soccer, they have like, it'll just be some shadowy, like third party agency will own a player and oh, rent him out. A Kazakh billionaire is the one who took me from home and put me in a training academy He's early. Like, Very good TV writer, like, you. He's good at the recap. Why are we doing he that? Learned. Why are we talking about that? We usually record later in the day and we are fired up <laughs> yeah. because it's Ringer Chaining Day, one. We're here together, two. Yeah. But three, I think it's time. To steer the conversation towards an old, old friend. We're going to get into some Game of Thrones today with the Watch the Thrones crew. We've got Mallory Rubin here. Yeah. We've got Jason Concepcion, a new ringer hire here. Mallory's the deputy editor of the ringer. The Mother of Dragons and the Maester are back. Yes. We cannot, I mean, so excited. This was one of my favorite things that we did at Grantland was Watch the Thrones. And a lot of people have been asking us if we would be covering Game of Thrones. And it's like, hey. Yeah. Of course we're going to cover Game of Thrones. We can't wait to cover Game I of Thrones. I personally will be leaving to start my own Americans pod, but I know that we're really psyched to that's, have Game of Thrones coverage. That's too soon, man. Um, that's we'll our, that's, we'll that's let low. you guys know more about what we're going to be doing with Game of Thrones as we get closer to it. Um, Andy, you know, Ian McShane, who is going to be on Game of Thrones this season, season six. How excited are you about this? Because you have been an Ian McShane truther for a while. You love this dude. Uh, the truth is that he is one of our finest actors. He's also one yeah. of our best interviews, apparently. He was asked recently about being on Game of Thrones and, like, you know, the, the sort of secrecy that surrounds the, the show yeah. and whether or not it, you know, like giving away plot lines. And he said that, yeah, you know, if, you know, whenever you say something, the internet goes ape. And he's like, my attitude is get a life. It's only tits and dragons. First of all, why have I wasted all those adjectives over the last five years? He's kind of right. Yeah. And, and what dragons they are. Giant, giant dragons. Pendulous dragons. I did want to say, though, his comments really... First of all, I'm, I am excited he's on the show. Uh, but Not this show. But not, yeah. not our show. <laughs> Ian, congratulations. The, yeah, you know the, I could probably pull a, a pretty good McShane out of my locker. I know you should. You, you should get ready for it. I think he's a little surprised to be the new college basketball columnist for the <laughs> ringer, especially so close to the tournament. Um, 
But, you know, last year, one of our favorite things to talk about in regards to Game of Thrones was the fact that I think it now qualifies as part of the UK's pension plan for aging actors. <laughs> yeah. Like, they've all been asked yes. at some point. Yes. And I think there are a couple of holdouts who now realize that, you know, they could do a couple money losers on the West End and then recoup. You could do the... a little bit of experimental Brecht and still and still cash in a check that's, as a bannerman. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It's there for you should you want to reach he for it. He actually said in the end of that interview, he was like, you know, I thought I'd get to... No, I'm not going to do the voice. He's you like, I thought so I'd close. get to hang out with my good friends Charlie Dance and Stephen Delane. Yeah. And they were like, no, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So but always dream sequences. But so I want to ask you before we bring in our guests. Yeah, yeah. Who's left? Because... Do you think that, like, like Terrence Stamp and Bill Nye are like, right, mate, we'll do Caucasian chalk circle for six weeks. <laughs> and then there's got to be some sort of, like, I, I'm, renegade king. I'm thinking king. Broadbent. Broadbent's oh. out there. Is he? Wait, who's the master of yeah. coin? Uh, That's Moffat, right? Yeah. Um, no, that Moffat is the guy who, that runs Doctor Who. Oh, right. Who's the dude who writes Sherlock who's in it? Mal? Uh, Oh, help us. He was also in, uh, he was in London Spy. Yeah. Mark Gaddis. Mark Gaddis. And he was He's the, the master of coin. I'm saying maybe he just takes a step out and Broadbent comes in. What I feel like Gaddis did the, the smart move because Gaddis was like, I'm going to claim this part, but I only have to do one scene for the first four years. And then I assume as the second half of the show's run becomes basically like billions. Yeah. <laughs> he is the Bobby Axe Axelrod of... Essos. Yeah. He's just going to come crashing back He's in. He's short just... squeezing all those oysters. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Anyway, clearly we're excited. We're caffeinated up. Um, the trailer dropped last week. We talked a little bit about yeah. it when we did the watch last week. We could only take it so far, though, because, you know, we, were, we came back a little cold. Yeah. We have always presented ourselves as enthusiasts. We're like dudes fans. who don't take the limitless drug. Drug. We have limits. We have limits. <laughs> Luckily, we now have back in the fold two people who are just Bradley Coopering left and right. And so we should. Uh, should we bring in? Yeah, the let's, maester? let's bring on the maester, can Jason Concepcion. He can help us unpack this. And now we're joined by one of our new ringer hires, but an old friend in our hearts, Jason Concepcion, the maester. What's up, Jason? Woo! What is dead may never die. I love the energy. It rises again. This dude's been on the shelf for months. He's ready. Winter is here. Seriously, how how big is your beard? Dude, it's uh, it's very very long and very very white. It's like bony Vare meets uh like a like, meets Gandalf meets Gandalf. Uh, Jason, it is awesome to have you back in the mix. Jason's going to be writing about the NBA. He'll be writing about Gordon Hayward's streaming video games. Mm-hmm. He'll be writing about. He hasn't done it in a while. We need that. We'll see. This is why we need you. Is you're on the front lines of this story, mm-hmm. uh, Game of Thrones, NBA, um, everything. Jason will be doing. I'm sure he'll be writing about um, Ben Affleck's voice at some point this summer. There's another Ooh. Batman movie coming, which means Jason has an opportunity to update his list of greatest Wayne Parent murders. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Which that is his Pulitzer project. You guys are missing out on that, <laughs> Jason. We wanted to talk to you first about um, the thing that sort of separates this season from past seasons which is that we are leaving the docks of george r, r. martin right like we are very exciting ca- kind of moving on from the books a little bit i'm sure that we still have stuff from the books that will show up in the show and that there's still you know plenty of stuff to be mined from the books um but you know w- this is going to be the first season that's largely unmoored from from the books and and those books can be i've seen them in the bookstore they're they're quite heavy uh <laughs> they're very thick Where's your head at in terms of of uh, like how are you feeling about, about venturing into these these new lands? Uh, I'm very excited about it. I know that there's a, there's certainly going to be a core group of book readers who are um, 
going to be very unhappy and are going to have to try and avoid the internet uh, for the next several years. Yeah, how does but, it feel um, now, literate people? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for reading, yeah, dorks. There was like, I, and HBO kind of like it feels like they kind of winked at it in one of the teaser trailers because like one of the snippets of some character I forget who was uh, said something like, "No one knows what's happening now." <laughs> And it's like, oh yeah, that's true. No one, knows. no one really does know. Um, I'm excited by it. Uh, there's, there are a few plot points um, still to be mined from from both of the books proper and from preview pages that have been released um, on Martin's website. And there's a few things uh, like Arya and um, Bran, where uh, certain plot points leapfrogged um, their book arcs, okay. so they can go back and and do other things. Um, but I'm generally pretty excited. I'm really, I'm really stoked. But it was inter- it was interesting to see that when we got all excited about the trailer last week and and people were hype about the the uncharted waters, there were still a couple book stands who were like, oh no, a book, bunch of the scenes Stannises? we saw, <laughs> book Stannises, <laughs> R.I.P. In this trailer, there are a couple scenes that we know about, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. So, do you think the dynamic of the show? Not the show itself, but the watching of the show, which is something that everyone in this room and on this call loves to do, has that changed dramatically this year? And is it going to take some getting used to? I think it's going to take a little bit getting used to for for book stands. Sure. Because they're going to, you know, that they can potentially go um, quite far past where the books are and where they're expected. I mean, they're already past it in, in certain respects, but they can just blow people's minds now. Are there people... Um, which is why I'm excited. But you're see you're you've always been a unique case because you enjoy the uncharted territories. You're not too precious about the books, even though you know them back and forth. Um, but like, are there people? Is there a subculture out there who are like, not my Westeros? Who are like, I will like, not watch this show. Andy because just I wants don't to know trust. if they're going to yeah. be in his mentions. I just want to know <laughs> yeah. how clean am, how clean is my Twitter profile going to be for the next six months? I mean, you can go on Reddit or you no, know, thank you. Any of the <laughs> any question. of the numerous uh, Song of Ice and Fire forums and find. Um, vociferous objections to what's happening uh you know that's just how the internet works these days well let me ask you this though like as an avid and we're gonna ask mal the same question but as an avid book reader is there is it a little bittersweet are you kind of like do you wish that martin had kind of kept pace not you know i mean older gentleman working on a, 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 a oh age shade wow. he's an older gentleman i'm not there's no sandpiper shots here i'm just saying let's like just he, say that writing is hard writing is hard i feel sympathetic to him it's for hard that. okay it's very hard okay not hard for everyone apparently yeah but, but like th- there was like a very clear deadline <laughs> right this is spoke, spoken like an internet editor like, <laughs> martin is just crafting genius man you can't put that on an rss feed yeah how, how, how those books going for you i think they're great yeah so i just mean like do you know as somebody who's invested a lot of time in these books is there is it a little bit of bittersweet to see the show kind of um sort of pass it pass it on the left yes for sure okay i mean you know I'm, i've started my reread um wow which i do before every season and you know you just getting reacquainted with how rich and deep the books are in terms of the history and the cultures. And it is sad that he just couldn't keep pace with that, you know? Um, but there are certain, there's just certain structural things built into how he created these books that, I mean, I understand why he's at a, at an impasse right now. It's like really difficult, you know, 
The POV uh, character structure is really cool for building character, and it's not really great in terms of, um, you know, you can't just jump ahead. There's no overarching right. uh, god uh, point of view, which you can use to go to another part of the world. You have to put a character there, and it just really bogs down how fast you can move and how complicated things are. Can I, can um, I, can so I suggest I mean, a, you've got a really tough job. Can I suggest a quick fix for, fix for that? Because I know that that dude really wants to hear my advice. Mm -hmm. Right. What if he just did dragon POV? What if Drogon... <laughs> Was just just well, flying low, like underneath, like below cloud cover. But you know that there would be like fifty happen. pages of waves, more waves, <laughs> clouds. I'm hungry. There, there Ooh, is, is non-spoiler, but there is there is uh, something that will take will, that will take on that um, that will fulfill that role for the story. Can I tell there you, is, there is something nothing has made me more excited thing. about Throne season than you describing vaguely some shadowy presence <laughs> that can see everything and watching Mallory's sly smile next to us. <laughs> She's yeah. just quietly nodding to herself, and here we go. This is I now I know for a second he meant that there actually is a Drogon POV thing coming, but like when we hear it, it's going to sound like a Whitney Cummings stand-up bit. And it's just like, <laughs> the thing about dating when you're a dragon, it is... <laughs> rough out there yeah <laughs> this character i think really is one that we should really continue to whitney season. We cummings the dragon yeah. Yeah. whitney cummings is a dragon okay what happens when you're four years old and you suddenly become uh sexually active but your <laughs> lifespan is 300 years <laughs> that's, a, that's a long is there time. a tinder for that or what okay am i right um okay jason so let's move into the actual territory we want to talk about which is basically Give us a little bit of set the chessboard here. What questions are we are like remaining unanswered? There's an obvious one. There's you know right. there, there's obviously like John and whether or not John uh, is still with us. But then like give me give me some non-John questions that we were we think we're gonna we want to see answered this season. Because it's an interesting thing. Sorry to jump in, but like ev that's what everyone remembers. Yeah, that's what everyone is excited about. That's what everyone is is fascinated. That's why the total secrecy around the season. But that wasn't the only thing that happened in the season finale. No, no Arya right. cannot see. Arya cannot see out of no, her. She's just like, is this an oyster or a razor clam? I don't even know. <laughs> That's right. She's just shucking and doesn't know what what, what she's producing <laughs> she's just... here. All right, sorry, Jason. Uh, the two things I'm most excited for are my guy Davos. Yeah. For yeah. his role, I suspect to increase greatly. For him to get some really killer hammer lines this season, nice, like he did in the trailer. Um, yeah, he's he's he, yeah, he's the I, MVP he's, of the trailer. He and he's the MVP of, or co MVP of the section of the books, um, that we should ostensibly be watching uh, this coming season. I'm okay. really excited for for what he's going to do. Um, and then the Iron Islanders. Let's go. Let's Ooh. see uh, wild Viking reavers and their religion and what what. Is going on in that part of the world. That's interesting. Um, so, you know, that's, that comes from the perspective of someone who knows that good stuff might be coming. Because I can't say yeah. I was super hype about going back to those dudes. You know, once you send them the Timberlake D and the B, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I feel like that's that that, that really told you know that 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 told that showed that you feel like that should have been that should have been exit Iron Island. I feel like I kind of know about them now. You know, like yeah. I kind of know what they're about. Yeah, like that's 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 how they keep in touch with their kids. Okay, like that's all right. <laughs> right. But I, you're you're right that they've been they've been off the board for a while. So that's interesting because that's not something I think people are checking for. Okay, so Jason, just to sort of to wrap things up, then what is the character or storyline that you're sort of expecting the most out of the season? I know personally. As a uh, J- Jamie Searcy shipper, just mm. always excited for those two crazy kids to get back together. Just see if it can work. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just they found love in a hopeless place. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to say? Uh, Jason, what do you think? I mean, I could, listen, I could go hipster, but I have to, I have to go mainstream. It's got to be John. Uh, they're going to, I think this is the season where they start to finally tie in some of the stuff that's come before, which I feel is like the core mystery of the show, which is uh, John's parentage. And they're going to finally start exploring the events around that, tying that back into current events, uh, people that are fighting current for the events like right Trump? now. And current events, yeah, or yes. <laughs> current events like, uh, like populist movements in the streets uh, trying to make Westeros great again. Uh, <laughs> Lurking somewhere off the board, you know, in eastern cities, thinking about uh, reconquest. But, I, but, but Jason, <laughs> this is weird to me. So you're suggesting that this this eagerly and uh, fanatically anticipated season of television is basically going to be 10 hours of that Henry Louis Gates show about people discovering their lineage, <laughs> but about a guy who's dead? That seems like a really weird choice, right? I mean, it's a semi-weird choice, but I think it's, it's a – this is going to finally tie in, I hope – is going to tie in uh, some of the core motivations. I also, uh, I just, that, I like that you, your response was to take my question seriously and continue <laughs> the illusion that Jon Snow is yeah. dead, despite Kit Harrington just, you know, just wintering in Belfast well, like it's no big deal. Like he's just like it's charming here in February. Yeah, look, you you've may, not if lived. If you get paid three hundred thousand an episode to pretend that you're still dead, you pretend you're still dead. You go with it. That is that... I'd be like, yeah, I'm dead. I'm never coming back. What's this photo? That's not me. That's my hair, dog. Who's that guy? I love looking yeah, like who's, this. I, who's, I'm in Belfast just to chill, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. I made so many good friends here. Um, do you think? I know this is uh, this is another thing that we were going to talk about, but what's your over under? We're going to ask Mel this too. But like, it's been announced that the no one's getting screeners, so everyone is equally right. in the dark uh, about this season. How early into the episode is this question answered? I yeah, mean, I, I I think that we've from prior you know from prior conversations and from the end of last season, I think we all pretty much agreed that, and from the trailer, we see a body, we see Kit Harrington right. in the trailer, yeah. but is there is is he is he hopping off the slab in the first twenty minutes or is this like episode two, three, or four? Hopping off the slab definitely sounds I, like the next Young Thug mixtape. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, I see it no later than episode three. Okay. Episode three. Okay. All right. That's a good over-under. Jason, we're obviously going to be talking to you a lot more about Thrones in the coming weeks and months, man, but it is so great to be working with you again. You can read Jason's work for now on the Ringer newsletter, which you can sign up for at theringer.com, uh, and you can follow Jason at Network with some special characters in there, but you probably already are because he's like literally the best person at Twitter. But you are the best person at Twitter. Jason, I only want to ask... How heavy is your neck right now? Because you have your maester thingy already. Yeah, and, and then now you have the rock chain, right? Exactly. Yeah, now you have the ringer chain. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you okay? Do you uh, need some lumbar support? 
It's actually, I, I've been doing uh, squats, and it's actually <laughs> really great for the core. Here, here, is, here is how clutch Jason is. Jason bought a landline today just to talk yes, to right. us. Target, baby. Go make some other phone calls, man. I mean, just do whatever you need to do. Is, Call 311. It's a whole new world. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Look at these, the scrunchy cord. I Star 69 you, someone. Be like, did you call me? Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, we will be talking to you soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you. Thanks, guys. Great to be back. We're going to take a quick break to tell you about one of our sponsors. Channel 33 is brought to you by Lisa. Lisa's like Tom's Shoes or Warby Parker for mattresses. Lisa's done away with the awkward mattress showroom experience that we've all suffered through by creating a luxury mattress that is ordered completely online and ships for free to your doorstep, compressed in a box the size of a mini fridge. The 10-inch mattress comes in all sizes and is crafted with three unique foam layers, including two inches of memory foam and two inches of a really cool latex-like foam called a Vena that's perforated to keep you cool as the other side of the pillow. The Lisa mattress is 100% made in the USA and ships for free to anywhere in the USA and Canada. What's up, Maple Leaves? Lisa gives you 100 nights to try your mattress risk-free, and for every 10 they sell, they donate one to a shelter. How awesome is that? Go to lisa.com slash bspn. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash bspn. Enter promo code bspn at checkout to get $75 off. Sleep tight. Channel 33 is also brought to you by Viceland, which is the new TV channel from Vice. Guys, we talked to you before about Fuck That's Delicious, which is Action Bronson's food and cooking show. Uh, It debuted on March 3rd, and it's on Thursdays at 10 p.m. The episode about Washington, D.C., Action Bronson and his crew go to Rose's Luxury in D.C., that's a favorite restaurant of Joe House. So you know it's got to be good. House eats where Bronson eats. Can we get a crossover? I don't know. Look, Viceland, it's got a lot of really good shows on, but fuck, that's delicious. That's my favorite. Check out your local listings to find out Viceland, where it's at on your cable dial, and make sure you watch Fuck That's Delicious, because Action Bronson is a king. And now we are joined by the deputy editor of The Ringer, but really she has another title. Isa. It is the mother Lisa. of dragons. It is Mallory Rubin. Mallory, we are so excited to be podcasting with you. I don't know why I'm talking in a PBS voice. I'm it's so- Mal Rubin! Christopher, Andy, what a thrill to be here with you. What a genuine pleasure this and is, joy I'm is, overcome. This is very exciting. With emotion. This is your first watch appearance, but we did Watch the Thrones with Mallory last year. She uh, has proven herself as a historian mm. and a pundit of the highest order when it comes mm-hmm. to matters of Game of Thrones. And an encyclopedia. Yeah, basically. Like a walking... Yeah, she's like that thing that won it Go from, you know, that Google thing. Alpha Go? Yeah. That's I- you. I, I, I literally had no idea what you were talking about, but again, Mallory did. So this is why we have her. This is very valuable. Now, let's continue the conversation that we were just having with Jason a little bit with you about John. Gladly. I have a philosophical question for you. Ooh. Okay. What does John's life or death, whichever forms they may take, and we you know we don't know. We're just it's all guesswork at this point. Um, what does the sort of outcome of his storyline mean to the? overall worldview of the show hmm. and the and the story itself i guess but this idea that is he, is he the christ figure of game of thrones you know what i mean like is he the, the does it is it a sacrifice is it about does he lead us into a new dawn or something like what is how much do you have invested in what does it mean what happens everything yeah it does <laughs> it means everything yeah i mean you know i think that the the sort of just fundamental argument that maybe this would just be one kicking the nuts too many yeah is is certainly valid but beyond that i i think that you know as sad as it was to see ned stark lose his head as 
painful as it was to see, you know, Rob get we should stabbed probably say repeatedly. Be spoilers in this podcast. <laughs> yes. If you haven't watched episode nine of season one, you definitely should get to minute twenty six of a Game of Thrones podcast. Yeah. You know, th- this John. I think not only have we all invested more in him emotionally, just from the, the sheer volume of time we've spent with him, but I think that anybody who has devoted any meaningful time to thinking about the end game probably thought John was going to play a very meaningful role. Certainly. And so, <laughs> yeah. you know, you could sort of say, well, well, Ned had to go because that got everything rolling. But does John have to go? If John goes, what happens at the end of this story? Yeah, exactly. I think that, like, why have we spent so much time talking about who his mom is talking about his parentage like we won't go too deep into into book world spoilers here but why is not yet yet, but why is is r plus l equals j a thing if that doesn't end up being real and having incredible implications for the story and i think this is where where we are with the show and because as chris as you were saying philosophically like is he a christ figure does his death define the story to Mm -hmm. come um and the answer to that is there's no effing way like that just cannot happen i think that we i don't think i'm alone in saying this this is this is absolutely an existential moment for the show because you can't have done all this for nothing the show can't be as profoundly nihilist as it would appear to be if Jon snow is dead yeah it's still popular entertainment i mean there's part of me that's just like there there has to be this resolution but, but what's interesting is that everyone i think is perched on that same cliff being like okay this is exciting that we've been dangled over it because we realize how awful it would be if this character that we love has died and and that you know the show is really willing to to pull that card but really people are watching to see how he comes back yeah. because they've given us a number of possibilities with melisandre there with git harrington just continuing to enjoy that rich belfast cultural scene and nightlife um, even giving us glimpses of him in the trailer. And I think the Young key Young Thug has re- recorded Jump Off the Slab. <laughs> I think he has, probably in the minute since I first said it. But I think that... He doesn't um, even know he's recorded yet. Let's also just remember that, um, and I was really impressed by this at the time, HBO's first marketing for the season was just a fantastic troll job, yeah. right? It was right. just the image of him because he is the specter haunting the season and we're waiting to see when he comes back. So with that said, we asked Jason this question and we'll, we'll put it to you too. You believe he's coming back one way or another, right? 100%. I have literally never been more certain of anything right. in my life. <laughs> so, which is amazing. <laughs> but so what is your over under in terms of how long is he on that slab before he hops off it? I think that we need to give Davos a little time to work whatever magic he's going to work with Longclaw. Yeah. Work the onions, exactly. You know, he picks just, up Longclaw at the end of the, the trailer. He does. Longclaw being, sorry, this is why we need you. Longclaw being. John's magic sword. John Snow's Valerian steel. I knew that part. bastard sword. I knew it too. I was just trying to like. <laughs> Formerly the sword of, uh, of of Lord Commander Mormont. Yeah. Gifted to John. Switched out the pommel. Put little ghosty up there. Gotta switch out the pommel. Gotta switch out By the, the way, pommel. Switch out the pommel. <laughs> the latest young thug That's mixtape. little yachty, actually. Um, I think that I, I think that Davos is probably after he he eliminates some of the threats in that room. He's going to need a little time to maneuver and to get John in a safe space for whatever magic is yet to come. But I would not be shocked if we see the beginning of this ritual at the end of episode one. That would be one. great, though, if he was like, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a fighter. You know, like, I'm not a fighting man. Yeah. And then it cuts away, but, like, in re- like what they really show us when the season starts is him just doing, like, his favorite number from Hamilton. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like... say no to this. <laughs> Which is with no, was wiggling his finger stumps. Um, no, not... but, but, but I just wanted to say yeah. that, that that's another point worth, worth mentioning here is that as we move off of... Actually, it's not, it has nothing to do with moving off of the books. The one thing that Benioff and Weiss have proven to be really good at is they're telling a story in a TV way, which is different from the book way that Jason was talking about with the POV stuff. So in this case, it's not about 
um, punishing the audience or rewarding the audience. It's about doing good storytelling. And if you've created this vacuum, if you know you're bringing him back, you can't bring him back too quickly. You have to take advantage of the story possibilities created by his absence. So I totally agree. We have at least an episode before the first glimmers of whatever's going to happen will happen. And speaking of good TV storytelling, let's not forget the other reason that John is definitely coming back. That stare down with the Night's King. I, that's what I was wondering is how did he take this news? Was he just the like, Night's was King? he having like a coffee after a long night out? And then some one of his boys comes and is like, hey, uh, hey and Kay, how you doing, man? You heard about that, uh, you heard about the kid up at the wall at the Castle Black? Is that curly hair? Yeah. That's a, that guy? That curly? You see him? Sad eyes. <laughs> it's like being, like you have, you have a, it's like he had a squash match yeah. he was really looking forward to. He's like, to oh. And, I'd really invested a lot in that guy. I really <laughs> I definitely made st- direct eye contact with him. I haven't done that in 2,000 years. Do you know like, how hard it is to <laughs> cultivate a nemesis when you are literally made of ice? Um, <laughs> Mal, here's another question I had for you, which is, you know, speaking of Benioff and Weiss, they are, over the course of these seasons, have sort of resembled Mark Wahlberg and The Gambler uh, in the sense that they are just like... In the sense that we love them? Double it, you know? Yeah, in the right. sense that we love them. But they will establish and um, garner affection for characters mm-hmm. and actors for that matter and and swiftly do away with them over and over and over again mm-hmm. and the crazy thing is is that they have always had some next man up always had the belichick thing going right. with like somebody steps up and kind of takes the higher usage rate and takes up more screen mm-hmm. time and actually winds up you know i don't think any of us thought in the beginning of this series that kit harrington would be as engaging as he was now. I mean, the character, sure, but like the actor had a long, long way to go. But that's the sort of amazing thing about the show. That's the secret MVP thing that happened with the show. And I feel like Mallory is a book reader and you and Jason would have been aware of this, knowing that when the cast list was announced five years ago or six years ago, probably before the pilot, you you had to have been thinking, man, I hope they chose wisely. Because yeah. in standard TV, when they cast kids, they just it's a crapshoot. If they grow up into Sally Draper, then you write more parts for Sally Draper. If they grow up into Bobby Draper, then you keep recasting <laughs> like, him, and then you Bobby? just give up. Yeah. But you cannot do that with Arya Stark, who starts the show as a kid and yeah. becomes right. you know a blind assassin. Well, this leads me to my question. It seems like one of the main characters this season will be someone we have not been seeing a lot of recently. He, he took a year off. He yeah. redshirted. Bran. Uh, Mal, tell me... Just for our listeners, what up with Bran? <laughs> I'm so excited that Bran is back. I Bran is, is one of my three favorite characters, Whoa. which I know is a little Ooh. bit insane to say. But give me the Trinity: Arya, John, Bran. Oh, that's we hard. Have Tyrion, a and not no. Tyrion. It's like, well, you it's a, like father son. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and, uh, it's Clive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ever evolving, right? Okay, I mean, okay. people people move in and out all the time. Sure. Um, <laughs> Part of the reason that I'm so fond of of Bran is because I think that he has one of the most sort of like quintessential fantasy archetype storylines. And I think we're about to really get into that. So, you know, that will probably prove divisive among the show crowd. I think that there will be a lot of people who get really into it and nerd out and who really appreciate the the history and the world building that Bran allows us to enjoy. I think there will be other people who are like, I I don't really want to get this like weird and magical because that's right. what this is this yeah. is magic i mean bran has magical powers he's a warg he's a seer right he has special dreams and he can go into not only his wolf's mind but into hoder's mind and wring people's necks and he spent an entire season off season and season just living in the keebler elf tree <laughs> right just like that's learning right. about how to make Hang. delicious fudge i thought cookies. you were gonna say like taking the maria sharapova drug and growing six and a half inches that is evidently the case as Listen, well that's just if you have some di- some diabetes in the family history <laughs> careful right. considering the way the have gone. yeah yeah so he's super tall now 
really uh, tall. Yeah, he's not he's not the little brand muffin we left behind. Uh, Are they going to explain that? Is that like David Robinson got on a submarine and grew six inches kind of thing? Like what I happened mean, there? How can you explain it? It's like it's like Andy was just saying. You cast young kids and you hope. You hope that they learn how to act and you hope they stay cute. Do, do you think that there was ever a like nuclear code contingency plan, which is just like, okay, there's another Stark. Or like Rickon. Like Rickon Stark is a person that exists. He's out there. He's out and there. Is there a moment where like, okay, they couldn't get the Kit Harrington renegotiation going. Bran really maybe isn't that good of an actor as it turns out, or he grew too much to How fit in the frame. How dare you say that about Isaac Hempstead Wright? I think he's fine. But I'm saying, what if he was Bobby Draper and not Sally? Were they just like, okay, we got to coach up Rickon. Rickon is the star of the show now. We're going to go five more seasons with Rickon at the helm. That he's would be that. delightful because it would mean the return of Shaggy Dog and of Osha, wow. uh, both of whom I would welcome back into my, my life with open you know arms. I, I forgot who I was talking to when I asked the question. <laughs> uh, this is another big question, but it's one I think that would be good to kind of sort of uh, wrap up on, which is... Um, this show initially, you know, among other things, was kind of a, a war between the North and the South, between the Starks and the Lannisters for control of the kingdom. And we had several characters who represented the, that war. We had battles. We had a push and pull, a tug of war for, for power. And over the last two seasons, I think since the Red Wedding, we've kind of spread out. Right. It's increasingly there's been a sort of diaspora of storylines. I don't even know if I'm using that phrase correctly, but let's just go with it. Thank yeah. you. It's nice. Um, Nobody is better suited to tell us what's at stake now than you. But I'm almost wondering if even for you, you're like a lot. And then also because it seems like the the threads are all like apart from one another right now. And even though certain characters are showing up in different people's storylines, it's a, a lot of people are kind of like spread out across this yeah. world right now. So what is at stake on this show now? Well, you know, nothing more or less than the fate of the world. Right. So, okay. you know, where the stakes are high. I think remember uh, uh, back a little while ago, our, our girl, our boo, Melisandra, was having a little chat with Stannis and Davos, and Stannis was ready to basically give up on Davos, right? He, he, he was pissed that Davos had let mm-hmm. Gendry go and, and was ready to, was, had basically said, I'm not going to forgive you anymore. And then Melisandra came in and she was like, well, actually, you know, because <laughs> she well, well actually, actually everyone. Davos had the letter from the wall, and he, he made the pitch that Stannis needed to take his army and go and that there was something more at stake than just the battle for the Iron Throne. And that's when Melisandre came in and she said, Davos has a part to play, you know, give him another chance, and basically said, well, actually, this entire war that we've been fighting, this War of the Five Kings, doesn't matter. The characters on the show have said that yeah. now. They've acknowledged it. This is the fight. The, the The series is called A Song of Ice and Fire for a reason, right? It's a it's a battle of good versus evil, light versus I thought, dark. I thought it was called A Song of Tits and Dragons. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> you're talking about Game of Thrones? That's your, that's your fanfic, right? That's, yeah. that's a catchier song, for what it's worth. <laughs> So eventually, I think that some of these, you know, petty uh, differences are going to have to be put aside, and people are the the people who are in a position to fight are going to have to band together and and attack the Night's King and his crew. But this is what's exciting about the show because I mean, we felt this this certainly slow and certainly entertaining drift towards the main story, and that was very exciting that this, the real story was percolating the whole time, and we were headed toward this collision. And so obviously, all of our our, our A1 interest is focused on what's happening in the North now, what's happening with John and Davos, and what are they going to do about this, this enormous threat. The question and the challenge for the show, and we touched on this a little bit last season on Watch the Thrones podcast, is how to keep all the other storylines interesting and engaging so it's not just like the Sand Snakes in the prison cell. Because the Daenerys stuff seemed for a long time to be 
where things were building because she was, you know, it was a third way. Yeah, she was. She was going to swoop in and, yeah. and 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 fix Westeros or challenge Westeros. She had dragons. It all was happening. That seemed to be the secret main story. But then she ended up in Marine for a super long time. And then now, just when she met Tyrion, we felt like, okay, now we've connected the dots. Now she's just in a field again somewhere with some goat bones and some Dothraki, right? And it, that, it's hard. I'm very curious where we're going to... And it certainly doesn't look like she's leading the Dothraki in the trailer. No. And so it's, <laughs> I'm very curious how they're going to make that feel engaging again without it feeling like an enormous reset button on a plot that we had invested a lot in. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a real danger of putting Tyrion and Varys, two of the most engaging and compelling figures on the show, right in the seat of power that Danny just left and saying right. basically, like, keep, keep a lid on it in Marine, right. keep things cool. You know, the dragons are still there. In theory, at some point, that is going to be, like, the thing that matters most and will be super exciting and cool. I don't know how interesting it's going to be to watch Jorah and Dario, handsome though they are, gallop about the Dothraki <laughs> Sea looking for... I said that. <laughs> I mean, I do love Jorah. That jawline, my goodness. I think the thing that will keep the show interesting, though, is that even as we move toward the endgame, we are focused on that, but not all of the characters are, right? Mm-hmm. Like People like Littlefinger are still out there. He still cares about the game. He still cares about the power. Chaos is a ladder, right? For someone like like Littlefinger, he's still mad that his brothels got closed. That's yeah. right. For, like, someone, <laughs> for someone like Littlefinger, this kind of uh, this kind of chaos is just another opportunity to make more moves. You think Cersei is going to just like lay down and be like, "Yeah, I actually like this new haircut. I don't I'm think fine she's with things." Do that at all. No, yeah. her boyfriend back, Marjorie, <laughs> the High Sparrow. Can we just take a moment to talk about? It? I I think sometimes people maybe think we're joking about stuff. Chris really really rides. Jamie and Cersei. He used it's not, not one. It's not the craziest thing that happens on this show. Is Chris, that just two crazy kids fell in love? Chris used not one, but two blowing kiss emojis to describe <laughs> his did. feelings about those two in our Interthrones email this morning. I'm, so. I'm more invested in the in the blossoming love that Sam and, and Gilly have found. Oh, that's really doing it for me. Like a Bruce Softy. Springsteen song out there, <laughs> just, just sailing to Old Town, just running. Um, I guess just to wrap up here. We are now. There's. We are absolutely now closer to the end than we were to the beginning of the series. Um, She's tearing up. I know. Uh, and emotional. Do you think because of that? Because we know that the people making the show know that. Do you think that the energy level and intensity of the season will will it feel different? Obviously, it feels different already because we're off book, or you know, we'll soon be majority off book. Do you think the season will just play differently? Because in past seasons, you know, it, past seasons have followed. Uh, a similar rhythm, and it's actually not one that I that I would criticize because I enjoy most often the episodes in the middle where we're spreading out instead of just pushing forward. But will there still be that space to learn about the shellfish culture of Essos? <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that it feels like such a rich story is yeah. all of those those little details and those little pieces that make Westeros feel like a real place to us and make us like smell the sea air in Bravos as we're watching Arya walk around the docks. Um, in the end of the day, like 30 episodes, that's still a lot. That's yeah, a, lot a lot of to... hours to fill. So I think that knowing that there's an endgame in sight allows the creators to be really focused and approach each episode with great care and a sharp editing knife which is great because there won't be a lot of fat but i do think there's still going to be room to just explore and play and you know spend time with Arya as she stabs a, a, a knight of the king's guard in the eye and then slits his throat i mean there's always going to be room for stuff yeah. like that it's game of thrones she's a character yeah. let's just say you know she's temper temper um do you have an mvp for this season that you're looking forward to tracking oh I Even just, just go off the trailer. Obviously, the season is going to be the season, but we the trailer is something everyone listening has seen. I really do think it's going to be Bran. 
I'm really excited about that. I think that spending time with the the three eyed raven, you know, maybe it doesn't seem like spending time with it. Raven is the dude in the tree. Yes, yes. <laughs> maybe it doesn't seem like. I'm just translating for the layman. I knew we if were talking about. If three eyed raven don't trust you, <laughs> it's gonna be a long season, guys. That was, that was purely for Tate. Beautiful. That was really something. Um, Does Tate even? Tate, have you ever watched Game of Thrones? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, what an infectious giggle. <laughs> Tate is the best. Sorry, so you brand, brand you know, it, it might not seem that spending time uh, below ground with an elderly man who's fused to the roots of a large werewood is a, a thrilling way to pass the time. It sounds like a mistake. <laughs> I just want to say my real world perspective is probably just pass on that. But. Okay. Well, Summer's there. Summer, as you know, and Ghost are among my favorite characters. Um, but not top three. Well, there's a whole <laughs> magical creatures edition yeah, of the list. Animals That's, don't count. Yeah. Yeah. Top well, three, as you know, animals in my world count more than humans. <laughs> They'd be above the humans on the list. I think that look this has just been another in the episode of Watch the Mallory. <laughs> yeah, Mallory well, what was the zoo. coolest moment in the trailer other than Davos pulling the sword at the end? It was Cersei's Bran. hair growing out. It, that was your Cersei's your very roots. personal your very and that, personal like, interpretation. Kiss they have. Yeah. You know, I thought it was just, more of like an ear nibble. But yeah. it's when when Bran has the Night's King behind him, right? Like, what's going on there? I mean, we've seen enough of Bran at this point to know that he's. Last time we saw Bran standing, he did not suddenly regain the ability to walk. He was sharing a green dream with Jojen and saw his mother and then fell out of a tree. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of interesting, weird, magical stuff happening with Bran, but I think it will be a good gateway into the important things in the past and in the future. It's exciting. I can't think of people I would rather share a green dream with than (laughs) you, Mallory, and you, Chris, and Jason. Uh, this is going to be a fun season. Thrones back. We're so excited. It premieres April 24th. It does. Yeah. You can uh, get lots of Game of Thrones content from The Ringer, I bet. I think that's safe to say. Sign up for The Ringer's newsletter at theringer.com. Follow us at Ringer on Twitter. You can subscribe to the Channel 33 podcast feed, which also features uh-huh. Mallory Rubin's college basketball podcast that she's been doing. She'll be doing that throughout March Madness. As long as Tate stays with me. Uh, you can sign that. You just subscribe uh, to the Channel 33 podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know, that's also the home of the soccer pod that young Chris Ryan does alone <laughs> in a room. Get out of here. It's and... also the home of the Andy Greenwald podcast. Yeah, your favorite show this week, which we'll be talking about your other favorite show, The Americans, which comes back on Wednesday. Can't wait. Can't wait. I can't wait. I we'll actually have... can't Are wait. Are they still See? Russian? Very Who excited. knows? All right. We've got some content coming for the Americans. I haven't forgotten about you guys. No, uh, no I actually can't wait for Andy's uh, Americans chat. And um, we'll be back real soon with some more Game of Thrones stuff. Keep keep your ears peeled. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, until then. Great job, Baranski! <laughs> Thanks to our sponsor, Viceland, the new television channel from Vice. Guys, watch Fuck That's Delicious Action Bronson's food and cooking show. That's on... Th- Thursdays at 10 p.m. Uh, Make sure you check for that Washington, D.C. episode. Tell them Joe House sent you.